welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. Chronosphere passengers, I'm very happy because I get to present to you the first episode of Port Lock. Our actual play, Dungeons and Dragons, Chronosphere Fiction Adventure. In this first episode, we'll begin with a little cutscene. Then we'll introduce our cast and characters with a little bit of backstory. And you'll learn a bit about the city of Port Lock. Our adventure will begin and a mystery will ensue. So now, as I pilot the Chronosphere into our destination, sit back and listen to Port Lock. Hello, Linnet. Jules, what are you doing so far from your cart? I was sent to find you, Linnet. Brought you this. You're supposed to use it when the time's right. My employer said to give it to you and this couple of coins. I don't know if you're up on current events at the manor. I don't think I'll be needing this for a while. Take the money, Linnet. You'll need it and you'll use it. Or you'll find yourself in a bit of trouble. Okay, Jules. I know my place. Hello, everybody. I am Javier Velasquez. I play the character Egan. He's a bard from the Troop of Glamour. He's a very fun boy, man. Just imagine him, a mixture of Bon Jovi and Elton John. He loves to party, loves to hang out and be with his friends, but also he loves to go do other things. He has a kind of an HDHD complex. So if you catch him in an empty street and you see something flashy, he runs to it. And also, he's a very nice guy. He's chaotic good. Hi, everyone. It's Dean Garcia here. My character's name is Halsey Maliswill. He goes by Hal. He is a rugged individual, very leading man type of look. He's got stubble, messy hair, a vest. He is missing his right hand. He uh, likes to be with the people, with the common folk. He likes talking to them, helping them out. Before he became friends with his current party, he would help common folk navigate through outside the city and back. He is a ranger and a folk hero, and he is chaotic good. Hello there, my name is Wyatt Spencer. I play Willow Legand. She is a half-elf monk of the Order of the Drunken Masters. She has a shaved side to the right of her hair, and her hair goes over the top of her head and falls down to her shoulder. She wears um, a dark purple, no, I'm just trying to figure out what the China shirt is, but it has loose fabric around the neck that can be pulled up over her face. No sleeves. Um, she has orange wraps on her ankles and forearm, kind of baggy pants. She also has a flask that hangs from her sides and she drinks sometimes when she wants to. She doesn't give a shit about much, but she helps people and she is chaotic neutral. Hey everyone, this is Rod Diaz playing Brunner Stormshield. A paladin, young, lost his parents when he was very young, was raised in the temple, raised exceptionally pious, had several religious experiences, and as a result has devoted himself to his God and to his purpose of fighting injustice. How do these four characters know each other? Egan the Bard, who goes to a bard college known as Dugan's Hole, which is a little bit down the road from the city of Portlock was playing at a show and just having some good times, making a little money, and a series of brigands broke into the entertainment venue with the idea of robbing everybody. A few of the people there decided, no, that's not going to happen, and Egan joined in. In that incident, revealed that he's more than just a guy who can play some guitar. 
kicked a little butt, and he was approached by a man, very old-looking man, wrinkled face. He's about seven foot tall, bird-like limbs, lanky, lanky man, long beard, has this hat that's not pointy like a wizard hat. It's got these, like, curls on the sides, kind of like ram's horns. His name is Melendor Schmidt. He's well-known in town. He's a very wealthy man. He's done a lot in his life. He's got this huge place he often shares with people that he considers to be heroes. He's known as an alchemist. People say he's a bit more than that. He makes himself well-known as an alchemist who can make various uh, concoctions, uh, a lot of healing aids, uh, things to clean, things that you really need to get clean, whatever. He started something originally for the Lord here in town. There's a Lord, there's a Baron, there's a Duke. He was doing favors and getting paid for them that had to do with problems the city was having with various ruffians or vermin creatures. And he was getting a little too old to handle all that himself. And he decided to take on a crew. And the first person he asked was Egan. How? The ranger. Well known because at a young age, as young as 12 years old, running around in the forests in between Portlock and Dugan's Hole and Goodmead and Care Donovan and Care Gonick would often be found helping people that were in distress on the roads in between these places. A broken wagon wheel, uh, being attacked by forest monkeys, whatever they were doing, you know, and he would step in and help them out. And uh, there was something like this going on one day, and much like Egan, uh, the guy in the carriage happened to be Melendor Schmidt. Melendor Schmidt told him his little deal he's got going on in town and said, you're welcome to come by and be part of the fun anytime you want. And Hal jumps in and joins once in a while. Willow, the monk, lost and sullen and wandering and just going where the wind would take you and found this group of cultists that were doing laundry by the river. And this plant abomination rose from the water and, and attacked and was hitting them with these fist tendrils. And you were like, I can handle that. Did you think? As this happened, there was a raft coming down the river. On that raft was Melendor Schmidt. And you were invited. Brunar, you already gave most of your story. You grew up in a temple. They were having you do various janitorial tasks. They did let you learn how to do things in the training fields and learn how to use a sword and all that. And they realized that you were pretty good. Then they also noticed how often you unthinkingly stepped in to help you and how pious your piousness was and decided that you were reaching a level where you should be taught to be one of their bright, shining icons. After a little bit of proving yourself one of the first people in a long while around here to be called paladin, you were sent on an exorcism. Not to do the exorcism, something that would very rarely happen anywhere around here. Sure enough, somebody believed somebody was possessed, and you were sent. Something did happen at that exorcism. And a creature rose out of this other person's body that was made of shadow. For some reason, though, others tried to hit it with their swords and whatever. They were unable to touch it, and you pummeled it with your arms, grappled it, wrestled it to the ground, and snapped its shadowy neck. And, of course, at this exorcism, in case he was needed, the alchemist Melendor Schmidt was there. 
you were thus given the proposition to join his little band. You both went to the temple and spoke to the clerics and asked for permission to do such a thing. And they said, let's try it out. Let's see how it goes. And so you've been here. So at some time or another, all four of you have met. As each one of you went to the manor house for the first time, you did notice it's one of the nicest buildings in the city. It's nothing compared to the Lord's Manor, but it's a three-story stone building. Not a lot, a lot of stone buildings in town. It has a basement. It has a huge wooden porch with tables and places to enjoy your afternoon and an arched sign over the porch. That first time you walked up, you thought, well, why is it that? Because it doesn't say Melendor Schmidt Alchemist. It says Schmidt Monster Hunters. As you go up the stairs onto the porch, there's a plaque on a post. The plaque in fine mother of pearl inlay. The letters read, you're dealing with a monster and now you got to kill it. Before you go into the night, you better take a Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that catchy? In uh, working with Melendor Schmidt, you've enjoyed wonderful benefits. As in, if you're going on, say, some little mission that you think might be a two-nighter and you might need this kind of supplies or that kind of supplies, Melendor's place is, beyond an alchemist, a grand weapon shop. And just about anything you guys have ever wanted, he's got it. And he'll let you use it. I need a crossbow today. Oh, there's four of them over there. Pick the one you like best. He's been around a long time, and he's a collector, and he's got lots of good stuff, and life is good in that respect. You need something that he doesn't have, and it's for something that he's sending you to do. He'll get it. Oh, we need more rope. We need more oil. We need this, that. He takes care of that. When you get paid, your money isn't spent on that kind of stuff. I'm sure that the paladin gives it to the temple. I'm sure that the bard spends it on instruments and women in raucousness. And I'm sure, no, nobody knows what the monk does. I think she just buries it outside. I think I've seen her bury it in a hole somewhere outside. The ranger keeps ordering different kinds of hands. You're <laughs> <laughs> spending all of his money on, I want my hand to do this. I want my hand to do that. You He's got a hand that has a special middle finger. For every occasion. That's all right. right. This is my hand for royal balls. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a formal hand. This you got to have a hand for my balls. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a bedroom hand, if you know what I mean. The four of you have not had breakfast yet. You're hungry at the same time. And as you're walking down the street, you remember this one place you've passed many times. And you've decided to try it out. And as you approach through the crowd, you haven't seen each other yet, but you're all getting there at about the same time. There's this guy with a little string instrument out front that keeps playing the same little riff over and over again, once every couple of minutes or so. And it goes... <laughs> right? And there's a little sign over the door and it says, I'm grubbing it. Man, I am loving this place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grubbing it. And so you all go to walk in and you recognize each other approaching the door to I'm grubbing it. Breakfast. Yeah. Indeed it is, my friend. I got myself some hash browns. What is this hash browns? You know, it's like a potato fried in a skillet. Oh, yeah. You never had hash browns before, man? You gotta see the menu, mister. Hello, young man. Just a little about waist high to Brunar is this kid in a red apron wearing a yellow hat. 
And he says it again, you gotta see the menu, mister. You don't know, you never been to I'm grabbing it. He obviously has. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I have not been to this I'm grabbing. Basically two things on the menu. What are these two things? Patty o meat and potatoes, however you want them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we can fry them, we slice them, dice them, rip and put them in balls. The patties of meat are usually kind of a round oval ball thing and we put it on a stick and don't ask us to be too uh, technical about what the meat is yet because it, it's whatever we've been catching and it's all ground up together. So you're getting like three different creatures anytime you get one. So you could say this is some mystery meat. Yes! Well, I'll get your finest mystery meat and uh, give me a couple of those hash browns as well. And one of your finest meat. Yeah. Come on I'm gonna need two hash browns. Now I'm gonna need you to put the mystery meat in the middle. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Right? Come right up. Yeah. I'll just have some hash browns. Come right up. She wants all the hash browns. Yes, I'd like also the hash brown with the meat in the middle. Oh, isn't it so? Oh, it feels the tummy. And you can still go through the day. You don't need to take a nap right away. What a very high spirited young man. Yeah, yeah. He seems like he's earning his keep here, so it's good. Is he a halfling? I, I, I don't believe so. No, he's a young man. I think he's just like a little kid. I'll, I'll introduce you some, to some lovely halfling ladies later on in the day. You may like them. Yeah, he had too many zits to be a halfling. Indeed. I think he formed the entire map of Douglas Hole. <laughs> <laughs> good sirs and lady monk. Yes. You see this guy, you've seen him before. Once in a while, you'll see him working on chairs or something at Melindor's place always doing something that needs to get fixed or putting hangers on the wall to hang weapons on or whatever. Oh, hey, you fixed my hat. Yeah. Yeah, okay. He's simply known as Gil. Hello, Gil. Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, would you like a plate, Gil? Oh, I'd love one. As soon as you're done with your breakfast, the master would like to see you. Ah. Very important. Good old Schmidt wants some uh, expertise in that job. It's a mystery. He needs help. Schmidt didn't tell you what, what's going on. No history. I'm not supposed to say anything. Oh, okay. Uh, That's fair. Too many ears that we don't want to know. Indeed. Well, aren't you going to take a seat, though? Yes, of course. How was your night? I started off polishing my new brass hand, and I, um, I went out, had some drinks at the tavern. And he used his new brass hand to polish himself. <laughs> Gil, you're always great with those jokes. Classic Gil. I don't get it. Gil, he's a virgin, so don't mind him. <laughs> I don't understand. You will someday, my friend. How about you, Willow? How was your night? Oh, well, I drunk myself to sleep. I found a great place where we can hang out. I gosh, take you guys there. The party was amazing. Where are you always finding these parties, man? I don't know. I just turned the street and there's one there. I think there was one near a hole. You have a gift. I believe more is a curse, <laughs> but a gift to others. And Gil, how's your morning going? Well, fixing a step on the stairs, getting interrupted by Melindor, being sent to see you, <laughs> and I have things of my own I want to do. So as soon as you can eat and get to the shop. Well, we're waiting for that young man. Oh, I'm sorry, he comes out. <laughs> While you've been talking, he's been setting down hash browns and Bruner, little- Bruner makes sure that Gil, Gil gets an order in. Thank you very much, thank you. I switched my brass prosthetic hand for a prosthetic hand that has a fork for the middle finger. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's fork. And I start eating. I like fork because if it's a middle finger, whenever you hold it up, you can say, Fork you! <laughs> I stop and say a prayer before eating. There's a small um, crash of wood, and your attention is all pulled to the side. And you see this dude that just sat in his chair and crushed it, busted it. And he's like 
twice the size of Bruno. You know, he's not like 12 foot tall or anything, but he's just this huge mass of muscle. Bruno will immediately run over and make sure he's okay. Oh, I can help myself. No, no, no. You're sure you're okay? You I didn't hurt yourself. Fine, I'll, I'll eat this chair. <laughs> <laughs> he's a mass of muscle covered in tattoos that all have a look of aquatic snake creatures. Uh, if you're gonna eat that chair, do you want some salt? Some pepper, most likely? I'll be fine with my meat and I'll make another chair. He pulls up another table and sits on it in front of the table that he was about to sit at. I, I believe those things are for your food, not your butts. <laughs> it's the only thing that'll hold me. Have you ever tried a rock? Do you have one? Just go outside. There's no rocks right here. We're in the middle of a clean city. Yes, I've tried a rock, but why, why, why don't you come over here? Oh, sure, but... Stand on your hands and knees and I'll sit on you. <laughs> well, I, I don't believe I can withstand that much. All right, smart kid. Has everyone in my party taken a bite of their food? Yeah. I have. Alex. Oh, Gil's already gotten his and it's gone. Okay, I'm gonna start eating. He wolfed it down. He eats here every day. Gil loves, I'm grabbing it. Mm. Well, then I go back to eating. This, I, I this, had already finished while you guys were helping out that. This that food is very greasy. Okay, and then the kid comes back out and he's got some kind of really flimsy pouch and it's dripping with some kind of gooey grease and he hands it to the big dude with the tattoos. Is that lard? And the guy takes it and says, Hi, thanks, boy. And he walks. No, he was just ordering to go. <laughs> that was to go? <laughs> yeah. That looks like for death. <laughs> but -ba -ba -ba, I'm dying it. <laughs> I believe I'm good. I take another bite from my patty and I just push it a little bit forward towards uh, my buddy over there. I'll go ahead and finish it for him. Thank you, my friend. We should probably get to uh, Schmidt's place. Ah, indeed, Schmidt. Yeah, it's not good to keep him waiting. No. Indeed. And it sounds important. Your trip over to Schmidt's is fairly uneventful. You see your average shopkeeper opening up shop and people putting out carts and awnings and apples and wares and things that they built and whatnot and the day's just getting along. I'm just waving hi to the townsfolk, calling them by their name like, oh, hey there Dave. Oh, Gina, uh, is that a new dress? Off your top lip there, man. <laughs> you arrive at Schmidt Monster Hunters. It's the place that you know, the beautiful big oaken stairs going up to the huge oak porch with the sign over it and the plaque. And then there's this beautiful uh, burgundy double door with opal curly cues and designs on it. We open the door. And he's in the, uh, yeah, it's like an entrance hall receiving room. It does have furniture. And he's got this really cute looking plush purple velvety chair in that room. And he's sitting there puffing on this big long straight pipe making smoke come out of his nose and then he takes another puff and the smoke comes out of his ears and does all these cool little tricks and he's ah oh boys glad you can make it enjoying that pipe weed smith ah it's just a it's a light blend keeps me awake in the morning so i don't need a nap we've got to go to the lord's manor oh it's that interesting why he's got some things that have been turning up missing and he's been watching how it happens He's got no way of knowing how it's done, and he's tired of it, and he wants us to make it stop. All right, well, the Lord means a big commission, I hope. Always. Yeah. So he wants us to be exterminators. Yeah, he hasn't said it's a bug, but I'll tell you this, it's a bug in a rug. As indeed a very big bug. Got a carriage waiting for us. And as he says it, you hear the carriage pull up outside. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you all go back down the stairs and you hop in the carriage and you're going down only the finer cobblestone streets of Port Lock. And you see people here and there diving out of the way because Gil tends to drive a little fast. Move aside. Watch out, young lady. <laughs> you head towards the north end of the city, not towards the docks, a little bit up towards the hills. And you are going uphill and you can almost feel the horses pulling a little harder and getting a little lather up as this uh, steeple-shaped tower comes into view if you're sticking your head out the window and looking that way. Melendor's sitting up on top with Gil. And uh, you've never actually been into the Lord's Manor before. And as you ride up, Gil pulls out this little horn-looking thing from his vest. And, and it makes a very unique sound, especially for such a little horn. The stable gates open wide, and you guys go flying in through there. And he pulls the carriage to a stop in a dusty cloud. And immediately, four folks come and open the doors to the carriage. And, oh, at your service, what are your needs? What can we do for you? We know where you're going. No, but you got wine. Wine! Dude runs up. Here's your wine. Melendor steps down. Kill ten of the horses. Yes, sir. With me, boys. Through that door over there. And he's leading you towards, besides this big, long, it's like a long, skinny, narrow manor house that makes a turn. At the other end of it is this tower that is like a square steeple. And it's just got a big, stupid rectangle door in it. Big old iron hinges. And he's taking you over there. Bangs on the door. Some cudgel-looking stick that he brought with him. And that door opens. As it opens, regardless of the dustiness around the manor house and the stable and the, this weird playa-like dust that comes up off of the ground as horses clop through it, you see this pristine room with black marble floors. You can see reflections in the floor. You see beautiful staircase that goes up the tower. Besides the floor itself, most of this tower is wood. There's a round table with some, not the most comfortable, but definitely sturdy chairs with arms on them over to your left. And sitting in that chair is a dark-skinned man, olive skin. And he has very black hair that is pulled back with something wet. And it always looks wet, just like it should be dripping and it's shining. And he has one blue eye and one black eye. And the blue eye gleams with a special brightness. And he has a mustache that comes out that is thin, yet long and strong. And it just sticks out on either side, far from the sides of his face. And he says, Oh, Melendor! Oh, man, I'm glad to see you. This is really bugging me. Aye. Valerian, what can we do for you? Have a seat, have a seat, all five of you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Before okay. I sit down, I cork my flask and take a big squig out of it. And then I sit down. <laughs> well, no, do you, do you don't want some wine? No. Sure. He says, Okay, I'm going to take you into another room. No, we just sat down. <laughs> well, in a moment, I want you to know what's been going on before you see the room and investigate. Ah, indeed, indeed. You're going to want to investigate. All right. You're going to go into an audience hall. I have more than one. There's one in the manor house. This is the tower audience hall. This is where I deal with many subjects that I am tired of hearing their bitching. But something must be done, and I want to be just and fair, and so I keep them out of the places where I can have them quickly beheaded. Ah. As per the law, yeah. 
Makes sense. Keep going. This room in the center has a stone table, a granite table, a very big, heavy granite table. Underneath this granite table, though the floors are the most beautiful polished oak you will ever see, is an 18-foot wide by 24-foot long rug. The rug is made, the original one was made in Yudoru. Original. The original rug was made in Yudoru, far away from here by the samurai people. One day, that rug disappeared. There was no sign at all that the table had been moved. There are small dents in that fine polished floor where we sat that table, even though it sat on a rug. And the dents are exactly where they should be under the feet of the table. There's no new impressions. Nothing. Exactly where it sat. So, I commissioned this fine rug maker here in Port Lock. Very expensive, but very good. To make me another rug. He was eager to impress. And him and whatever people he's got worked, I don't know how hard, but I was very happy how quickly this, this next, even thicker, beautiful rug came to my manor. It was quite a feat to have that table lifted. An engineer blacksmith man in town, Holgar, used some system of pulleys and ropes and chains in the rafters, lifted the table, laid down the rug, and was able to set the table down so that it rested on the rug into the previous indentations rather perfectly. I mean, we didn't lift up the rug to see if it was still the same. Four days passed, and on the next morning, the rug was gone. I'm having my next rug built as we speak, or woven, and I do not want this rug to be stolen, and I want to know who's getting into my manor house, unknown, past my guards, and making rugs disappear. Uh, what else is in the room besides the table and the rug and the floor? There is a raised platform, a stage, if you will, Okay. with a makeshift throne on it. Like a king would sit at in his audience. Although I'm just a lord, I am there to hear the people and look like I am an imposing presence. So I give the room that nature. The table is positioned so that they may have chairs around it and make themselves comfortable and not feel like they're in the position that I'm about to chop off their head if I don't like what they say. I am a uh, impatient lord, but I do have to answer to the duke and... He doesn't like it when I chop off everybody's head. At least you're honest with yourself. So, any other questions before you see the room? Is there anybody that you know of that has any anger towards you? It will. William! Yes, master! Get the book of people who want to fist me. Okay! While William's getting the book, uh, we could also need the names of the guards that were stationed for the room. Indeed. Oh, that's easy enough. I... Especially this part of the manor house. There's only 12 guards. There's only one door. Unless you come in from the other manor house. So guarding that door and the door you came through, I have a total of 12 guards. At any given time, there's usually three or four. Unless I feel like there's some kind of present danger. So right now, there's six at night. And they're taking shifts. Okay. On the nights that the two carpets disappeared... There was, I believe, four guards. And yes, I can give you their names. You can meet them in the next 
20 minutes if you want to. That's They're fine. All close That's by. perfect. Well, let's go take a look at the room. Yeah, let's do it. He goes to the uh, other side of the room, and there's a double door there. It's a little bit short. It's about five foot two. So if you're five foot three, you have to bend over a little bit when you go through this door. It's a few inches thick. It does have a crossbar that is lifted off to keep it separated from the house. So at night, if somebody was coming from the bigger manor house into this tower, they would have to either have a way to lift that bar from the other side of the door, or they would have to bust it. There was no noise, and the bar is not busted. It has a handle. It's like a lever that jettisons out to the right from a dome, and you pull it downward, and you hear, and then you can swing the door open. And he opens the door, and you see the room he described. As you come through the door, the stage with the fancy chair is to your left. The wall across from you is covered with tapestries that maybe tell some wonderful story of his family. And in the middle of the room is this 14 by 18 foot granite table. And the legs are a foot in diameter, all solid granite made out of one big piece of rock. They had to build the room around the table. That is indeed one big table. The floors, as he mentioned, are some of the finest, shiniest hardwood anyone has ever seen in this town. And you can tell right now, especially since the rug is not there, that it, it's, it's beautifully polished, well taken care of. Hmm. And sure enough, there's no rug in there right now. Anything else you want to look at? Uh, can I roll an investigation check? Uh, like, you know, see if there's any, you know, magic feeling to it, like an arcana check or something. You're looking for a magic feeling. Yeah, or not like a magic feeling, more like a magic, like, essence that was there. Like someone used okay. magic to lift something. Can I do Make that? a roll and first, tell me what you got. First roll of the game. 16. No. It doesn't believe there was any magic used here. Uh, have to use something to lift the table, just like the blacksmith did with the pulleys. Hmm. I'm going to go look at the stage. See if there's any secret entrances or in there. Go ahead and just do a perception. 12. You don't see anything that would look like a secret door, trap door or anything on the stage. But you do notice that there's this part, uh, this corner of the bottom stair that looks like some kind of dry rot. Although all the wood in this room is pristine and beautiful. And granted, the stage and the stair are not made out of the same wood as the floor. It's a little bit cheaper substance. It's this dry rot that almost looks like termites have been chewing at it and softening it up. And it's a spot about as big as a coin. I'm assuming there are no animals around? There's no animals in the room. No, there's the five of you, the Lord, and two guards. He's not very smart, so I'm just going to try to lift the table, see if I can lift it. It hurts your abs. Mm. If you pull too hard, you're going to not get with the ladies for a while. You notice that right away. You know that feeling. You got to lift with your legs. See, like, come, no, no. If you lift with your legs, I think you can... From the, from the table bottom, you know, where the legs meet the table, from the table bottom to the flat table surface is about 18 inches of solid granite. Um, Hal, I, I, I believe in your strength, but... Uh, Oh, I right. do not believe you can lift this table. 
You're right. Not alone. Help me out. Come on, guys. Uh, it, uh, you got my support. <laughs> oh, all right. Emotionally go. Huh? Melendor says, perhaps we should uh, look for this one really big fellow I once knew. His name was Jack. You know, funny you should say, I saw the largest fellow I've ever seen in my life just this morning over breakfast. He was twice my size. I believe he could eat one of us with one bite. Are you saying you, you think you saw someone who could pick this table up? I don't know. If I can't lift it up, I don't think that guy could lift it up. But Hal... I don't think I could lift it up, and I'm the strongest person I know. And also, Hal, no credit to your strength, but uh, you only got one hand. All right. <laughs> oh, what a missed thing. You should have said, who said I was going to use my hands? <laughs> you know what, trust for that? I'm going to try to lift it even harder. <laughs> Emphasis on harder. I'm going to go down and look at this termite thing a little bit closer. Maybe kind of try to break through it. Like punch it? Yeah. Okay, it's, it's like I said, about the size of a coin. Yeah. When you hit it, um, is your fist bare? Yeah. Okay. It feels a little bit wet and, and moist, and it has a squishiness to it that... Make another perception check. Do we hear the sound? Oh, yeah. All right. It's fairly obvious anyway, so I'll, I'll describe it like this instead of the way I was going to describe it. It feels to you as if you took a nice piece of hickory and you chewed on it to make it soft with your saliva all day. And as you hit it, make an attack. And you can't miss. I just want to know how good you roll. 17. Your hand, it hits it, and for a fraction of a second, you actually even feel it kind of slow down and squish into a sponge as the back of the wood cracks open and bursts free. And your hand goes into a hollow area. Willow, are you all right? I'm fine. And the Lord says... Uh, you're gonna fix that, right? Sir, 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 this is all you're part of the investigation. You're gonna fix that, aren't you, Melendor? Melendor says, Lord, you know I'm good for it. I'm gonna look around and see if I can feel anything inside. Willow, was that squishy sound also you? No, that was the wood. Did you punch the wood? Yes. So indeed, that was you. Okay. And Melendor says, uh, Willow, when you see something to investigate and you're gonna do something like that, Point it out before you continue. <laughs> Let the rest of us see it, too. Okay. I'll think about that next time. Classic Willow. Oh, Willow. <laughs> anything else? I haven't heard any other questions. I was feeling around. Do I feel anything inside? As your hand goes below, you can feel like the same floor that you're pretty sure feels like the rest of the really nice oak floor of the room. And you're at pretty much like the front of the stage at the bottom of the stair. And if you went up to the actual stage itself, the next layer over the stair, the stage itself goes back another 12 feet and is about 20 feet wide. And the whole room is about 26 feet wide. And nobody's asked yet, but at the other end of the room from the stage is another double door, much like the one you just came through. Excuse me, sir, uh, Lord, what's behind those two double doors? Oh, it's a hall that goes towards a banquet hall and the kitchen and, and it goes straight through to the stables that you guys came in at and then it has little offshoots that go to the stairs that go up to the places where we sleep and all that good stuff. But it is, it's one long open hall that goes to the other end. Do the gods also go through that hall as well to get to this room? No, they come in through the door you came in through. So is this 
Is that dining hall connective? So it is indeed connected to the other rooms. Oh, yeah. The only time that the door from the long hall is opened is when I come in to sit on that chair and talk to people. I'm in this room when that door is open. But does anyone have means? Anyone else have means to open? Anytime the guards are in the tower, they could walk up and lift the bar and open it anytime they want. I lean into Hal and... Hal, I believe our main suspect could be a guard. Oh, wait! I'm being a fool. You said anyone. Anyone else. Yeah. Indeed. That's Being a lord, I forget these things go on in my manner. Of course, we have scullery maids, kitchen cleaners, you know, people that run around and clean up after me. People got to shine that floor. People have to clean that table. Who shines the floor? There is one main scullery maid that is in charge of this room. Can we talk to her very fast? Very well. And why do we assume it's a her? Because he's, he, he, he said maid, scullery maid. <laughs> very well. Fetch Linnet, bring her here. One of the guards says, I runs off. Do you mind if I pry up some of these boards? Where in the room do you want to do that? On the stage. On the stage? You've already put a hole in the stage. Melindor has already promised to fix the stage. Tear it apart. Do you need to borrow my shovel? Do you have a crowbar? I have a shovel. I will tell you now, you are going to find a room under the stage. And you didn't think to mention that before. It doesn't go anywhere. Well, we got a big mystery here. So all pertinent information about what's connected to this room is relevant. There is a small room under the stage. Whatever happened to that kid with the book? He ran off with that book the, with names. With the, it's it a big book. He'll be here soon. <laughs> <laughs> Just then you hear this thing dragging from the marble room. I got it! I got it! He's got a rope tied around one of the leather bindings and the thing is... This just gigantic encyclopedia that weighs like 20 pounds. He's pulling it behind him. I don't know how useful that's going to be. I'm sure he's fine. Well, that, that's indeed a big book. So everyone in this name listed. Well, it's a big book, but it's also, it's a list of enemies that have been had and or dealt with. Aha. Uh -huh. For many, many years before my time. But everything that's... Currently, someone we might be worried about is there. I'm going to go investigate the hallway from that leads to the dining hall. I'm pulling up the stage right now, yeah. One of the guards starts helping you. I will also help. Yeah, okay. I'm going to investigate it while we wait for the scholar roommate to come. You're uh, investigating the hall. Are you walking down the hall or just looking down? I am looking down the hall. Okay. But I got a four, so that's... Okay, well, you hear noises from the kitchen. Okay. Pots clanging, people stirring, fire, people busy making grub. Right, I think I might have to... You can actually still hear noises from the other end of the hall where the stable is, which is a good football field away from you. Good acoustics, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, echoing down the hall. I think I got everything I need here. I go yeah. back into the other room. If there's a little noise at the end of that hallway, you can hear it in the room where the table is. Interesting. So have I pulled up the boards yet? The stage is cleared. It's been set off to the far wall where the tapestries are, in that corner, away from the table. Underneath where the throne was, the throne has been moved over against the same wall underneath the tapestry. There is a pretty typical-looking trap door with an iron ring and hinges. What did you guys find? There's a trap. We found a trap door. Yeah, there's a trap door down here. Ah. 
Well, it's a stage, so usually uh, if you're a part of a band or, or very uh, it's important... Under, it's underneath the stage, though. There's no way to get to it without pulling the boards. That's very impractical. And it's locked up? The trapdoor is locked up? I check nope. it. Nope. Oh, oh. I, I open it. Some of the light in this room that comes from the high windows that are much like highlights or skylights or whatever filters in there, and, and you can see it's it's a room probably about as big as the stage. Not very big at all. It has an iron-rung ladder going down from where you pulled the ring up, straight down in, no stairs. I'll climb down. As you begin climbing down, the only thing you see in the room, besides bare walls, bare flat stone floor, is a barrel, like a wine barrel, a keg-sized wine barrel, in what would be behind you to the left. Hey, what do you see down there? There's a barrel of some kind. Can you ask him what it is? Hey, um... <laughs> my lord, there is a barrel down there. What's in it? I have no idea. I haven't been down there since I was a kid. He doesn't know! He doesn't know what's in there. Well, that's just perfect. I'm gonna go over... I go down the ladder, too. Just like a barrel. Is it it's sealed, right? Yeah. Okay. Sealed barrel. Sealed barrel. Okay, I go, I follow. Is there any words on the barrel? Meanwhile, I'm climbing. Well, you know what? Since you asked if it was sealed, make an investigation check on the barrel. Let's see what this is. I have plus zero. That's an eight. Yeah, it's a sealed barrel. Open the barrel. I step back. Okay, are you attempting to pop the top, or are you looking for the little side hole where they put the spigot? I'm popping the top. Takes a little bit of work because you got to take those little wedgies out in between. I don't know if you've ever opened a wine barrel from the top, but I have. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I bang it. That takes him a minute. Anybody else doing anything while he does that? Is everybody down in the room? Or? I'm still up top. Okay. I would like to investigate the room for any, see if there's any secret doors. And I'll like to do that too, please. Okay. I'm going to detect You're evil. Oh, okay, do your detect evil then. Go ahead, Dean. Yeah, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to whisper to myself, I really hope this is wine. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, my friend. Willow, at the bottom of the barrel, along the wall where the floor and the wall meet, you notice that there's kind of like um, a little slat opening that's it's it's like erosion like a water dripping ate its way through the stone and there's something on the other side so it's just like a hole a little tiny hole that's like like a piggy bank kind of thing you could like almost slip a coin through it but it's thinner than that Runar, where are you detecting evil in just like the room in general around the table it's essentially 30 feet around me in all directions you detect no evil all right you're detecting evil and you do this thing when you're detecting evil, like you're putting your hands out and using them as some kind of screening device. And you're walking around the room and something catches your eye. Near the opposite side of the room from the stage and the trap door, at the end of the table, towards the corner where the tapestries are, the floor is not shiny. Mm. Oh, I yelled down to these guys who were opening the barrel. Guys, I think the problem might be up here. Why? I'm detecting evil. What type of evil? Unclear. You did not detect evil. <laughs> no, I didn't detect evil. I detected something weird up here. Well, what was it? I'm unclear. The worst kind. You haven't looked at it closely yet either. From where you were standing, you just went, floor's not polished right there. 
I, just, I keep banging the barrel with the hilt of my sword. Okay. Oh, well, well, one of you... You're, all, you're popping the top. I'm popping the top? You're what? popping the top. I look inside. As you pop the top, an aroma hits your face. Good aroma? Well, it obviously smells like wine. Oh, okay. But, but. there's a rotten decay. Oh, no, that's not good. Smell to this wine. It's a smell. Wine, no matter what you did to it, does not add this taint, this smell. Also, as you notice this and you're saying to everybody in the room that you've spotted this, this part of the floor that's not polished and shiny and you haven't investigated closer yet, you hear the footsteps of the guard that had gone down the hall returning with another set of soft hatting footsteps. Walking about twice as fast as him. I investigate this rotting wine. Wine shouldn't be. It looks, well, it's kind of dark in here, so. Oh, how, it's, oh. it's dark liquid. I have dark vision because I'm a half elf. It looks like wine. It doesn't look like there's anything floating in it. It just smells. No body parts or anything float. I mean, you haven't checked the bottom, but there is definitely a, a strange tainted smell to this wine. I uh, grab my prosthetic sword and I clip it on and I kind of just like dip it at the bottom. Just kind of move it around, see if I feel anything. It's, it's definitely thicker and gooier at the bottom. Mm. Ew. That's, that's already so, so gross. There's definitely something funky going on in this wine. When you pull your sword out of the barrel, a gelatinous slime drips from the tip into the barrel. And you almost see and feel, and even more so the monk, a kind of sizzle as it leaves the metal. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a new sword, huh? What, what kind of color is the stuff? Well, it's, it looks pretty much the color of the wine. Yeah. Okay, guys, this wine gone bad. Don't drink it. It, it wasn't a big glob. It wasn't much to see. It, it happened pretty fast. It was, it was mucusy, maybe more of a yellow booger color, but it, it was pretty much the color of the wine, maybe a little bit of yellowish in it here and there. Well, I'm going up the ladder to go with you to investigate that spot. How bad is this wine? The guard walks in with the scullery maid behind him. There's slime at the bottom. I want to drink it. Save me a cup, and I go up. Melindor yells, good idea. And he, you see his head peer over the doorway and he throws down a flask that has a cap. And then he says, I have things to tend to. I'm leaving this to you guys. Bring me that flask of stuff. See you guys later. Lord, I'll be back. Thank you, Melendor. Thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, Melendor. Thank you. Uh, so I fill up the flask. Okay, while you're doing that, the guard has walked in, apparently just on Bruner. And the guard walks in, and behind him hurriedly steps definitely a halfling. Halfling girl, not thick for a halfling. Lithe, slender, definitely larger feet than a girl of her size would have. Wearing kind of a bustled dress that makes her hips a little bigger than they would normally be. And looking a little worried. Oh man, what's going on? <laughs> but she's hurriedly running up behind him. Whoa, my lord, what do you mean? Lynette. These friends of mine may have some questions for you. Please stay in the room. Yes, my lord. Do I make it upstairs now? Okay, you're popping up out of the yeah. thing while this conversation's going on. Ah, uh, this is the lady who runs your, your maids, your operations here. She is in charge of this tower when it comes to getting things clean. 
Uh, I, I apologize. My name is Egan. Nice to meet you, my lady. Lynette, sir. This is my friend. Bruno. We're here to ask you some questions, if you don't mind. Oh, please ask away. I, I, I will try to be the best help I can. Okay, perfect. You wouldn't have to, to know the date where these items were mysteriously taken? So she gives you the dates. Uh, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't seem to be important. Wouldn't you happen to know who'd be under your staff or if you were working on these days? Were you on shift on these days? I have one helper. Um, you only have one helper? For this? Yeah, that's all we need. All right, that's good to know. When the carpets, you should you obviously know that the carpets were stolen mysteriously without any traces of force of entry or magical tomfoolery. So if you wouldn't happen to mind me asking, were you by any chance with your partner when these things were stolen on that night? When the rugs disappeared, I was asleep in my chambers. Okay. And so was she. Good alibi. I resurface with the wine, with my sword clipped on still. I, I, I got your wine. Ah. You want to drink that? Um, indeed. I'll, I'll save it for later. Okay, great. Who's this? Point my sword at her. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, oh, sorry. I apologize. Oh, my God. The Lord says, this is Lynette, scullery maid of the tower. Okay, let me just clip on my conversation, Anne. Hi, okay, so you're the one who cleans this room. Ooh, can I borrow that? <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who cleans this room. Yes! You should see he's cleaning. The whole tower. The whole tower. The well, whole tower. Good for you. Must yeah. be a lot of work. It's very clean. Me and Palm. So did you notice that over there by the stage that it was rotting? No. Hmm. Not at all while you were cleaning. Well, I haven't cleaned since the last rug disappeared. I was told not to touch anything. I see. All right, you can go. She's not going to have any information. I, I, have, I have one, one other question. I asked her in Halfling. I, I know Halfling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. So Brunner in Halfling says, My lady, we know you work very hard. And you have tried very hard to keep this place decent for your master. But can you explain why it is that this section of the floor over here is not polished? I turn to Ega and I'm like, he's such a show off. <laughs> she looks down at it and goes, that's interesting. The last time I was in this room, every part of the floor was polished perfectly. Let me point out the part of the floor that you're pointing at. The last time I was in this room would have been under the rug and I would not have seen it. Mm. I go to that spot that's not polished and I investigate it. What'd she say? Okay. I tell them what she said. It's not polished. Mm -hmm. Are your hands bare? Uh, yes. Do you touch it? Yes. It definitely feels different than the polished side. It doesn't feel as smooth, but you don't really get that into it. And you go, eh, yeah, not polished right here. It's not, it's not very well polished. It's quite different texture to the, the rest of the floor. You are indeed correct. I'm You're still downstairs? I'm still downstairs. Can I look into this little slit by the base of the barrel? Sure. You have dark vision. I do. Can I make a, does a perception check to see if there's anything Go for through it. it? Okay. 15? Even with the best dark vision, you can tell that you're looking into an empty darkness. There's definitely space in there, and not only by your vision, but by your sense of smell, you can tell that there's running water. Not, not running like a faucet or a river, but there's water down there that has been kind of lazily making its way downhill. And that's where I'm gonna leave you hanging at the end of our first episode of Port Lock. Continue listening to further episodes as the plots and mysteries thicken. Please go to patreon.com slash chronosphere and make a donation. 
Well, Garbanzo and I are going to go get the Chronosphere ready for further adventures. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends about Chronosphere Fiction. Until next time, keep your cosmos clean.